0: Before we get to the analysis, I wanted to talk to you about the MLB Rotoballer Challenge hosted by our friends at Fantrax. Fantrax is the most customizable free fantasy baseball platform in the industry, and that's why we're hosting our 2022 Rotoballer Challenge there. If you want the greatest fantasy experience, sign up for a free Rotoballer Challenge team today. All leagues are free to join, and you get to compete against Rotoballer writers and readers for a shot at the $500 cash grand prize. Plus, all new Fantrax users get entered into a free giveaway to win a signed official MLB Wander Franco jersey. Just go to rotoballer.com/challenge and sign up for your team today. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Catcher's Corner. Um, it's a special midday episode, so unfortunately uh, we don't have my co-host Sammy Ackley for today, but we have got a doozy of a guest for you. Uh, it's James Anderson from Rotowire. James, how are you doing? Good. Eric. Great to be on. Yeah, thanks for thanks for coming on. Um, big fan of of your work, and with baseball just a week away now, um, which I didn't even think we'd get here at some points in time. Uh, you know, there's a lot of prospect questions and, and you are the man for the job. Before we get into that, can, can you just tell people where they can find your work and, and you know, uh, if you have any sort of weekly columns they can read, all that kind of stuff?
1: Yeah, so uh, you can follow me on Twitter at RealJRAnderson, and all my work is on rotowire.com, and you can do rotowire.com slash pod for a free 10-day trial, uh, no credit card. Uh, I do uh, top 400 prospect rankings that I update uh, probably five, six times a year, and I do uh, top 400 dynasty rankings that are updated probably four or five times a year. And uh, weekly podcast on Wednesdays, the RotoWire Prospect Podcast. You can you can find that wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, I write as much as I I can in season, but um, I've got a, I've got a lot of responsibilities at RotoWire, so I you know try to do something once a week, but uh, might not always get that done. But um, yeah, I, I'm producing prospect content year round on podcasts, and uh, the rankings are kind of my bread and butter.
0: Yeah, and if people don't listen to that uh, Prospect podcast, I would highly recommend it. Um, you did that with with Clay Link for a few years, I believe, uh, but it, it's a really informative um, podcast that people can check out.
1: Yeah, appreciate that. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, like Clay and I did the the pod together for about seven years, and uh, it's just there's so much going on with. Um, just stuff, kind of behind the scenes, and and quality control, and like so much different media that, that we both have to do. That uh, that that kind of came to an end, but I'll still be doing those episodes once a week. I'll be having guests, and I'll be doing mailbag episodes. So um, it it should still be a, a pretty good show.
0: Nice. Um, and I know, you know, James mentioned a lot of the the Dynasty stuff that he's also doing for this particular podcast, just so people know, we're going to be focusing primarily on on 2022. Um, so these will be a lot of redraft questions. So just something to keep in mind when, you know, James is talking about uh, prospects and we're getting into, you know, takes on these particular guys. We're really just talking about for this upcoming year. Um, And before we dive into specific names, I'm curious, you know, there's been a lot of talk about the new CBA and the, you know, the benefits that organizations could get if they bring their prospects up at the beginning of the year, you know, multiple draft picks. If a guy's on the opening day roster and I believe is a finalist for, for rookie of the year, maybe first or second. Uh, And then obviously the the new rule changes um, that were just instituted that mean that for the first month of this season, Um, Players can be optioned up and down without it kind of accruing to their total. So I'm just curious uh, how you think these new changes will impact how early we see prospects um, or they won't have any impact at all.
1: I think they'll have a very small impact. Um, I mean, it'll definitely impact the results because the guys who finish top two in rookie of the year will be able to hit free agency earlier than they otherwise would have, which is great. So it'll, it'll help those two players every year. Uh, but I don't really see it impacting the process on the team side a ton. It, it might be something where a general manager could bring that to their their owner and say, hey, like, I really want to break camp with this guy. Uh, you know, if he finishes top two in rookie of the year, then we're going to lose him a year early anyway. And if we break camp with him and he finishes high, we get draft pick compensation. So, like, uh, you might be able to use it in, in that sense. But uh, for the most part, I don't see it changing the way teams behave. Uh, but it, it will end up helping a, a few players every year.
0: Yeah. And that makes sense because, you know, we've seen what, what it appears like, at least, that, you know, the Tigers are going to start uh, with – Riley Green and Spencer Torkelson on the roster and uh, Bobby Witt seems on track to start, but then we've also seen, you know, O'Neal Cruz, uh, Josh Lowe, some guys who we thought might break camp, um, get sent back down. So we'll start real general. I'm curious if you have, again, we're talking for, you know, for redraft purposes, if you have any names that you think you'd, you'd categorize as kind of the biggest spring training risers among these prospects.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, there's really probably over a dozen guys that would qualify here, Uh, but I kind of wanted to highlight a couple of guys who might have been going undrafted in a 15-team league, say, a month ago, and who now I think are absolute must-roster guys, and that is Matt Brash with the Mariners and Nick Lodolo with the Reds. I think that both those guys have a chance to be very productive for fantasy uh, right away this year. Uh, obviously, as pitching prospects haven't pitched in the majors, none of these guys are, are close to sure things, but I think right. both of them have a high enough ceiling. Uh, I think they're both going to start the year in their team's rotations. And in deeper leagues, you know, once you get past like a 10-team league or maybe even a 12-team league, Guys that could strike out over a batter per inning and pitch every every fifth day, I mean, th- those are tough to find towards the end of the draft. So I think Matt Brash and Nick Lodolo, uh have really helped themselves this spring.
0: Yeah, and, and we've talked a lot that, you know, even in a 12-team league, at the end of the draft, you know, picking some starting pitchers that have the upside to way outperform their draft slot if if everything clicks is sometimes a better way to go than, you know, ending your draft with, you you know, guys kind of like a, you know, a Wade Miley or a Merrill Kelly or or those kind of guys who, you know, have a a shot, a spot in the rotation. Uh, I know you said 15 team leagues. Do you think, you know, if you used one of your last couple picks on either of these guys in a 12 team, would that be a little bit overly aggressive or you think they're in that conversation as well?
1: Well, I actually uh, finished a a NFBC online championship draft uh, this morning. uh, That's a 12 team draft and I took I took Brash and Lodolo uh, with two of my last three picks in that. So I I completely agree with what you were getting at with. I'd rather chase upside there uh, because you're going to be churning those last few spots in all likelihood anyway. And so just getting kind of a low upside player with, with one of those spots uh, doesn't make a ton of sense to me either. So I I did kind of want to just chase these guys and, Uh, If I have to cut them in three weeks that's that's fine, Uh, but there's a chance that one or both could emerge just guys that I want to use almost every
0: week. Nice love it recommending them and backing it up by drafting them as well always always gives a little bit of extra boost of confidence. Um, what about on the other side of the coin? Are there any guys who kind of fell for you based on on spring training? I know we don't want to put too much emphasis on, you know, just a few games at the beginning, but is there anybody you're a little bit lower on than you were maybe in, you know, January?
1: Yeah. One of them you, you mentioned briefly, Josh Lowe. Uh, you know, he was always kind of a, a high upside flyer in drafts before spring training. If you're drafting during the lockout, uh, that you know, he wasn't a sure thing at all. We, we were kind of hoping that maybe they would trade Austin Meadows or Kevin Kiermaier and open up a spot, or maybe he would just go out there this spring and be clearly a guy that, that was one of their best three or four outfielders. Uh, he struggled a little bit this spring. He got sent down. So I, I ended up just completely passing on him in my two most recent drafts with, with money on the line. Uh, I think he could be a fab guy, in season I mean Kevin Kiermaier gets hurt all the time and he's not all that productive anymore anyway so uh, if if Lowe gets off to a hot start at, at AAA I think we could see him uh, late April early May something like that but he's kind of off of my stash him on the bench radar in mixed leagues and then uh, you know definitely kind of obvious for guys to get hurt but I'm just not really interested in Adley Rutschman, Shane Boz, or Cody Morris at all anymore. And I was pretty interested in Boz, and I had Morris on a lot of draft and gold teams, and uh, I hadn't taken Rutschman anywhere. But uh, I just think there's too much risk now and and too much uncertainty with those three.
0: Yeah, I I totally agree with you on on Boz in particular. I, I wrote an article about how I thought that When when the season was going to be shorter, I thought that, you know, because he's on the 40 man and had no um, contact with the team over the offseason, that they might just decide, you know what, we'll let him start in the minors anyway. um, Make sure we're kind of okay with where he's at in his development. Make sure we feel comfortable, you know, with him uh, before he gets a major league call up. And then obviously the arm injury, you know, makes it even clearer that they'll probably just slow play him a little bit. Unfortunate about Lowe though, because I, you know, I kept him in my home league, Uh, but there's a keeper element to it, but uh, yeah, it was, you know, I kept him a month ago and the last month has um, not been too kind to where I thought he would debut for them this year. Uh, But let's actually use that as a, as a transition. Um, We're going to play two games today. The first one is a, is a would you rather, Um, and this is just, would you rather for 2022 again? So these are either, uh, prospects on the same team um, or these are prospects who are being drafted uh, kind of in the same range or for the same purpose and I want you to uh, want you to tell us who you would rather have for 2022 um, so we'll just start with one of the names we already mentioned uh, but Josh Lowe or Vidal Bruhan for 2022.
1: Lowe I, th- I think Lowe is is much more likely to eventually be a a primary piece of the, the Rays lineup. He's a significantly better defender than Brujan at a more valuable defensive position than uh, Bruhan is likely to play. And he's just a better hitter. Uh, I think Bru- Brujan's, Brujan's pretty overrated uh, because there's there's that obvious fantasy intrigue because of mm-hmm. the speed. But if you're just talking about like Bruhan, as a real life player, I kind of think he needs a trade uh, to really get a, a, big, uh, a big role because he's just, he's not going to, like, if you just, whatever stat you like to use, like weighted runs created or uh, weighted on base, like whatever, like, he's just not that great of a player um, or doesn't project to be that good of a player. And I'm not basing that on what he did in majors last year. I'm basing that on what he did at AAA last year. Right. Uh, just he, He's not going to impact the ball a ton, whereas Lowe has easy plus power. He's going to work the count. Uh, he's a really good defensive center fielder, like I said. So I just see it much more likely that Lowe is, is a big part of this team at
0: some point this is So it seems like if you had to put money on it, the idea that Vidal Brujan at any point this year becomes a regular player would be unlikely.
1: Yeah. And, I mean, team context is important because the right. Rays – like the Rays are going to push for hundred wins and like Taylor Walls is not that interesting for fantasy, but he's a better real life player than Brujan. And mm-hmm. he projects to be a better real life player than Brujan for the foreseeable future. So I just, I, I think Brujan's kind of a, a utility bench option at best this year.
0: Okay. Uh, we'll move to two guys who are, I think the outlook is a little more optimistic but I'm curious if you had to pick one of the Tigers' prospects for this year, Riley Green or Spencer, Tor- or Spencer Torkelson. Who are you choosing?
1: Riley Green. Uh, I think they're both going to be very good fantasy players uh, long-term, and they both have the talent to be uh, very good this year. But I think Green brings a more, uh, a more scarce collection of stats to the table. If you just compare Spencer Torkelson to just your average first baseman who's getting drafted after pick 250, uh, like let's say between 250 and 325, Torkelson is just he's kind of one of the guys. Like he's he doesn't really jump out to me, especially as a rookie. Uh, you know, I, I've been taking like Luke Voigt goes pretty close to Torkelson. Right. I'd take Luke Voigt all day over Torkelson. Uh, yeah. I would take Trey Mancini all day over Torkelson. Um Riley Green, on the other hand, has the five category potential that is tough to find after pick 200. So, you know, it might not be exceedingly likely, but he could go 2020 this year and he he could even hit more than 20 homers. Uh, That's, you know, we saw last year that the Tigers are going to let guys run. Uh, Robbie Grossman yeah, he got on base a ton, but he's not a, not a speedster necessarily. And he right. still 20 bases. So uh, just the, the chance to get a five-category guy or at least a power speed guy in that range is, is more appealing to me.
0: Yeah, and I think we've seen that course correct a little bit in, in ADP. If you look at the ADP um, in online drafts on NFBC over just the last uh, three weeks, uh, Spencer Torkelson is going pick 250 and Riley Green is going pick 252. Um, And there, there had been a wider gap um, earlier on in in the off season. So um, that's starting to to narrow a little bit. Um, And then there seems to be a a battle and there might be another name that I'm even not considering, but, you know, a battle for the fifth place or for the fifth spot in the Rangers rotation. Um, Glenn Otto, who was, you know, traded from the Yankees last year and then actually debuted for the Rangers um, or Spencer Howard, who they got from the Phillies. Are you taking either one of them? And if so, which one would you, would you rather bet on?
1: Uh, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a Glenn Otto guy at all. Uh, so he's, he's not someone that I'm really considering. Um, I I'm starting to get a little intrigued by Spencer Howard. Howard was kind of at his absolute peak as a prospect. He was like a borderline top five pitching prospect for me, Uh, certainly a top 10 pitching prospect. And injury, like durability, has always been an issue for him. And I think that he was just, he was never really on the same page with Philly's brass in terms of what his routine was going to be, what his role was going to be. Uh, So I I think it's great that he got out of there. Um, I'd been kind of pessimistic about the stuff bouncing all the way back, but uh, he's had a good spring so far. And if he he breaks camp in that rotation, I think he's going to be an interesting guy to monitor and maybe fab early in the season. Mm He, you know, like I said, at one point, I thought he had a, a really high ceiling, like number two starter ceiling. A uh, ton of strikeout potential, like a, a bevy of really good offerings when he's at his best. So he 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 might be a, a solid post type sleeper.
0: Yeah, certainly wouldn't be the first prospect we've seen. Uh, you know, need a change of scenery to really kind of reach that ceiling. Um, let's go with with two more you know alluring options. Uh, they both might actually start the year in the rotation, but between Hunter Green and Nick Lodolo, who are you more interested in for 2022?
1: Yeah, it's actually Ladolo for me. And, uh, you know, I know Green Green's going to get drafted higher. Uh, part of why Spencer Torkelson gets drafted ahead of Riley Green is just the name value. There's more name value there. Um, Hunter Green, same thing. You know, he was on the cover of Sports Illustrated. He throws 102 miles an hour. Uh, More people have heard of him for for a longer time than they have Nick Lodolo. Uh, And uh, my buddy, my buddy Jeff Ponce at at Baseball America, like we were talking about this a couple days ago, and uh, he made the point that like even though Green throws 102 and his slider is an easy plus pitch, Ladolo might actually have the better stuff uh, when you factor in uh, the the pitch pitch shape pitch spin um, the way he's able to command his pitches. He's a, you know he's a six six lefty, which just gives him it, it makes it really uncomfortable on hitters. He's got uh, three plus pitches, and uh, I, I think he's got better command than Green. Green like there's been reports that Green's changeup is kind of coming along, but. I don't really buy that uh, until I, until I see it against big league hitters in, in uh, games game's account. So um, I think green's going to have a lot of really good outings this year, like that people are get really excited about, but I think he's going to have a lot of clunkers too. Whereas I think Modolo mm-hmm. is more likely to be someone you could trust on a start to start basis.
0: Do you think we're, we're beyond the green may end up in the bullpen conversation or do you think that's, that's still a possibility?
1: I think it's a low possibility. Like, I th- it would have to be just this guy can't stay healthy type of thing, like a, like an Alex Reyes type of thing uh, for him to move to the bullpen, I think. I mean, he, he will have – I think he does have the stuff to start and the command eventually to start. I just think um, – I think he's a little overrated. Like, the fastball, it, it just plays below its velocity because of how straight it is. And, you know, big league hitters can hit triple digit heat uh, right. when it's thrown over the plate and it doesn't move.
0: Right. Um, well, we'll we'll use that. As, oh, no, we'll get to that later, because that's another that reminds me of another pitcher that we'll we'll talk about in a second. Um, but uh, two intriguing uh, Pirates pitching prospects who they both they got both of them from the Yankees. Um, and I don't know that either one is going to break camp, but in terms of 2022 value, there's some hype around, um, Ronzi Contreras. And then also I've heard a couple people in particular, Eno Saris, who are really in on Miguel, Yahuri. Uh, and I'm curious if you have a preference for either of those, either of those guys, if you think either one will be valuable in 2022.
1: Yeah, this is a fun one because I, I like both guys, even though they're, they're very different, uh, yeah, uh, throws, like, five pitches, and I think uh, his fastest pitch might be, like, 91, 92 miles an hour, whereas Contreras uh, has just a big-time fastball, breaking ball, combo. Uh, already kind of flashed that in that one start in the majors last year, so it's it's kind of obvious upside versus – maybe more uh big league readiness uh i think i think your if one of them like i think Contreras, actually already got sent down um mm-hmm, but i yeah. think your could break camp in the rotation in the rotation um he has uh like i said he's just got a he's got a bunch of pitches uh big time pitch ability guy and obviously that's not a tough rotation to crack so um uh, and he, he's dealt with, uh, I think, some, some back issues over the years. So I, right. I think they might want to just let him fire those bullets at the big league level. Uh, and then we'll
0: see Contreras maybe in uh, late April, early May, something like that. If your hurry does break, are you interested in, like, a 15-team league, or would you need it to be a really deep league before you're taking a shot?
1: You know, I think he's it's, – it's tough. Be, like, if he were on the Cardinals – I would take him in the draft, and probably before my last pick. But on the Pirates, uh, it's tough to it's tough to have a streaming starter on the Pirates who's as unproven as he is, uh, even in a fifteen teamer. I think you know if you can get him uh, against the Cubs or at home against the Reds, I think he's he's totally fine. But it's just it's not an ideal situation uh, for a guy with his. Uh, combination of like upside and and lack of uh proven track record
0: right uh so maybe you know uh streamer appeal or kind of draft and hold leagues yeah uh since since we just mentioned the yankees um there have been some people who've talked about how how good davy garcia's spring has been um so i'm curious if you were choosing between uh i don't think either one of these guys is going to break in the rotation they're probably the you know starting pitcher six at this point um, but between Davey Garcia or, or Louis heal, do you have a preference of those arms?
1: I like heel uh, I, I just I've never really trusted Garcia uh, as a starter I think he just it's either the command is an issue or the the stuff backs up like it, it just it doesn't seem like he's ever, going to quite put it together to the point where he could go 5 plus innings against big league hitters. Mm-hmm. That's that's just my take on it. I mean, I know he's young. Um, he he has shown good stuff at times, so I'm not writing him off, but I've kind of been fading him for a while whereas he'll, you know, he he's mostly fastball slider and uh, a lot of old school scouts would look at him and say, "Oh, that's that's a reliever all day." But I think when when the fastball is that good, and the slider is is plus like his is, I think you can go. I think you can go five innings with that repertoire. You can face a lineup twice. Uh, You know who knows if the changeup is ever going to come along as a solid offering, but. Uh, I think he can get by on those top two pitches as kind of a five and dive guy. Uh, right. So I, I've got a lot of heel in draft and hold leagues, but cool. I, I think you're right. I think neither guy starts in the rotation.
0: Um, and then the last pair of teammates we'll go with uh, is two guys battling for, I guess, you know, they're now on the outside looking in uh, for the five man rotation, but there's a possibility the Braves go to six. Um, and if they do, it seems to be a battle between um, Tucker Davidson and Kyle Muller. Um, Muller, you know, was up and, and pitched pretty well last year. I was intrigued by his, you know, combination of breaking pitches. Do you have a preference between those two guys, or are you off both of them?
1: Uh, I'm, I'm mostly off both of them, but I, I, it would be Davidson if I were to take one. I think he's he's got more starter traits to me. Uh, Muller is always struggled to throw enough strikes. You're, you're totally right about the, the uh, pitches. I mean, he, he honestly reminds me a little bit of, of Sean Newcomb, his teammate, where just the, the walk rate was just always screaming out. This guy's not going to be able to make it as a starter, but the stuff was so good that he kept getting opportunities. Uh, sometimes guys can overcome that. Um there was a time when Ian Anderson was, was struggling to throw strikes. So, you know, it's not a, a death nail or anything like that. But I think Davidson seems a little closer to me to being a traditional starter.
0: Um, and now we'll just, we're going to move. We're still going to do would you rather, but for guys who are kind of being drafted either in the same area or, or for the same purpose. So they're not necessarily teammates. Um, and one of these guys you hinted at before because he's currently slotted in at least according to roster resource for the pirates fifth starting spot, which would be why you hurry. Wouldn't break camp. Um, but if you're picking at the end of a draft, are you more interested in Mitch Keller or, or Matt Brash?
1: You know, I think these guys are, they're definitely both draftable. I, I would take both of them over most of the guys we've talked about so far. Um, I've, I've more of a lean towards Brash just because, Keller is really this. This is basically the the reason he's getting drafted is just based on spring training this year. Right. Whereas Brash was a guy who really kind of blew up last year and has picked up where he left off this year. So I I trust Brash a little bit more to be uh, legitimate and Keller. He you know he's flashed at times. I, I know the velocity is up. Uh, compared to where it was a season ago but like he he was throwing mid 90s not that long ago as well and it was just too straight and guys were squaring it up and then he was having a hard time commanding it uh his off-speed stuff is is pretty good but i i would go brash but i, I do think both guys need to be drafted right now
0: yeah uh if sammy was here he'd roll his eyes at, at the mitch keller uh conversation because we he's been burned by him uh too much in the past but you know Uh, We've been talking a lot on our previous podcast that, you know, he's still not getting a lot of swings and misses on the fastball, even though it's, you know, 98. And obviously, if you can't, you know, locate breaking pitches or sequence breaking pitches, then just having 98 isn't enough in the majors anymore. But it's certainly um, more intriguing than he was last year. And I'm curious. You said you'd rather have Brash than a lot of the other guys we've already mentioned. Does that mean you would take Brash over both the Cincinnati Arms as well in a in a redraft league?
1: Uh, in the draft I just finished up, I took Ladolo, and then followed it up with Brash. Uh, partly because I just I had a ton of Brash already and and wanted to get a little bit more Ladolo. So I think those guys are they're pretty close. Um, okay. But I would, t- yeah, I would take Brash over the Yankees guys, the Pirates guys, the Rangers guys. Um,
0: yeah. And maybe one or both of the next guys, even though the, the biggest helium prospect, I would say, or former prospect based on spring training is, is Jesus Lizardo. Um And then obviously we're going to, you know, lump in here, Lozardo or Mackenzie Gore, both as, you know, big, uh, big-time left-handed pitching prospects who saw their kind of star lose its luster a little bit over the last couple of years. Uh, Lazardo seems more of a sure bet to get a job this year, but are you in on both of them or, or just one of them or neither for this year?
1: Yeah, I mean, these, are, these are probably the two biggest helium guys, uh, at least from what I've seen. Uh, I'm not in on either at cost, but, uh, I, some of the, some of the best players in the world when I was in Vegas last weekend for the main event, uh, uh, some hall of fame fantasy baseball managers were all over both these guys. So it's, it's not a, it's not a sucker play. Like it, like it kind of seems on the surface in that sense. I mean, there are really smart people on both these guys. Uh, I, I, I would go Lazardo pretty easily over Gore for this year. Like Lazardo's already gone through every pitching prospect for the most part, unless you're like Jose Fernandez or Alec Manoa, like you're gonna have some growing pains in the big leagues. And Lazardo has sort of gone through his growing pains, we we hope. Uh, whereas gore you know, this has been a great spring training for Mackenzie Gore, but he's going from a guy who's way outside my top 100 coming into spring training to a guy who's now kind of back in that mix. So it's great that he's sort of reestablished himself as a legitimate prospect, but he was coming from such a low level entering spring training. that I think we'd be overreacting quite a bit if we were to put him ahead of Lazardo.
0: Okay. Would you put him, would you put Gore ahead of, uh, some of these other guys we mentioned, would you put him ahead of you know Brash or you know the, the Rays guys, or is he behind those guys for you as well?
1: Well, I would take uh, I take Brash and the two Reds guys ahead of Gore. Um, I I would take Gore ahead of the Rays guys, given what we know about Low being sent down and everything. I take him over the the Atlanta guys uh Gore Gore versus Keller is kind of interesting uh, might go Keller there just because there's a bit more of a guarantee that he's going to be making starts early in the season but uh I mean the, the point is like you, you're not getting if you're if you're debating Gore versus Keller you're not getting right. Gore in any draft.
0: exactly yeah because of the, the way he's risen in the last few weeks um the last two pairings I'll give you are are guys who are I guess a little bit more established um Only because they've they're they've had multiple major league starts under their belt. Um, Right now, Josiah Gray and Tyler McGill or Tyler McGill are both kind of going around the same area of drafts. There's a little there's half of you know the analysts you see who are buying fully in, and other half who are you know kind of uh, skeptical about there being any sort of long term success there. Are you in on? either one of those guys, who would you rather have of the two for for 2022?
1: I'm not really in. Uh, There's just – there's other guys that kind of go around there who I like a little bit more. Um, If I had to take Gray or McGill, I'd go with McGill. I think he was better last year than Gray. I think he has been better this spring. I I think uh, the people highest on both are a little too high on both. Um, but I, I admit M- McGill could be a bit of a a blind spot for me because he just, he was not really a prospect at all until he got to the majors. So maybe I'm just slow to kind of come around there. I just, I don't really think his pitches stand out as, as that special, uh, mm-hmm. even though I know some Mets fans think he, think he's awesome. Um, I, I would go McGill there. I think team context is a little bit better too, but, uh, not really on either guy. Okay.
0: Uh, and then the last one is a debate between outfielders who were, you know, top, top prospects who struggled in their first taste of the major leagues. So I'm curious between, uh, Jared Kelnick and Joe Adele, who are you more in on for 2022 or, or are you buying a bounce back for both?
1: Uh, I haven't drafted either guy anywhere, uh, but I would definitely take Adele over Kelnick. uh. Just just kind of the trajectory of, of these guys. Like, we're still kind of waiting for Kelnick to uh, – I, I know he had a good September, uh, but, you know, like Lane, Lane Thomas had a great September too. Um, sure. I I think Adele, I could see him, like, making the the leap this year a bit more, and I could see Kelnick doing it. I think they are very similar, though, uh, because they're you're kind of hoping for 25 homers and 12 steals, and that that's in the range of outcomes for both guys. But there's a little bit too much of a, of a premium still, just because of the name value of these guys for me. Right.
0: Do you think Kalnick was a was a little overhyped? Um, I know you know there was he was the, the second coming, one of the best hitters that we've seen in the minors in a while, or do you think that, you know, he still has kind of like that all-star ceiling and it's just going to take a little while for him to kind of adjust to the big leagues?
1: Uh, probably something, like maybe in the middle. Like I, I definitely think some people were too high on him. Uh, but, I mean, I, I felt – I regret having him as high as I did. Like there, there's some prospects where I – like I'll rank him high. They won't be great right away, but I don't have any regrets about it. Like, um, like I, I had Byron Buxton as my number one prospect over Corey Seager uh, back in the day, and I've never regretted that, even though it hasn't played out that way uh, to date in their careers. Uh, but I did, I do regret having Kelnick uh, top three. Um, I just, I think that that, that was a mistake, um, in my opinion, and with with the benefit of hindsight but he he's good enough. Like he he's talented enough to still turn into a top 100 fantasy player. Um, I just, I, I don't think people should just be drafting either of these guys just based on, well, this guy was a top prospect right and he's a post-hype guy. I'm drafting them at a discount just because they were big prospects. Like, I don't, I don't really buy that, uh, that logic.
0: Smart. Yeah. I, I would agree with you on that. Um, brief question interlude before we move to our next game. Um, My middle school math teacher, my sixth grade math teacher, who was also my middle school baseball coach, um, follows uh, my work on Twitter and uh, commented on an article that I wrote asking if I had any advice on NL only um, pitching prospects who might not be like, you know, the Max Meyer type of of guys. Uh, he mentioned, you know, guys kind of like Jameson Dray. So I'm curious if if you had a couple names you like that we could throw out for my middle school math teacher.
1: Sure. Uh, well, I'll, I'll throw out Yahure, who we mentioned earlier, Miguel Yahure with the Pirates. Uh, Matthew Liberatore with the Cardinals. He, he's maybe a bigger name. Uh, Brandon Williamson, who just got traded to the Reds. Mm-hmm. Caleb Killian with the Cubs is someone I absolutely love uh, probably out of all these guys uh, Killian is, is probably my favorite um, and he he could be up sometime this year uh, I, I assume he wanted guys like that could debut this year um,
0: yeah po- possibly who, who knows he said he has you know like he has uh, Cade Cavalli and he has you know Ronzi Contreras um, okay. but, but I guess that you need guys that have not yet debuted was the only stipulation
1: Sure. Okay. Well, that, that rules out. Yeah, but, uh, Levertor, Williamson, uh, Caleb Killian, and then, uh, a couple more, um, maybe under the radar guys, uh, Bryce Elder with Atlanta, uh, and Ryan Nelson with Arizona. Uh, I mean, those guys are all prospects that people in dynasty leagues are, are aware of, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I could see a few of them being a little under the radar a, and I'll only uh, redraft me.
0: Great. Uh, thank you, Mr. Turner. Hopefully that uh, that helps you out, answers your questions a little bit. Uh, so we're going to move into our, our final game for the day, and this will be a little bit more of a, of a quick hitter. So we're going to play uh, love it, like it or leave it. Um, and I'm going to give you some names of prospects who are being drafted um, in Uh, in leagues for 2022. So again, just for 2022, do you love this prospect? Uh, Do you like your kind of like middling on it or are you totally leaving it alone? Um, And for the first few, since they're guys that, you know, people are, we know that people like as prospects. I'm curious if you're, you like it, love it, or leaving it at the current ADP. Uh, So Bobby Witt at an ADP of 82 overall.
1: Uh, I'm, I'm leaving it, but I could be wrong about that. Like I, 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 I think the, co- the cost is the reason I'm leaving it. I could definitely see him paying it off.
0: Okay. Um, how about, and he, this is a fast rising one, but Julio Rodriguez at a current ADP of 242.
1: I like it. Uh, I took him in my main event draft last night. Part of that's just because it's, it's a contest with an overall. But, um, you know, if Rodriguez were to make the team out of spring training, I think he's like a borderline top 150 guy, um, maybe even a top 125 guy. And if he's up in – if he's up in a month, then I think he – I think this this is totally fine.
0: Okay. What about uh, – we just mentioned that he was sent down. Um, so O'Neill Cruz with an ADP of 214. Um, we've seen it go as high as 285 in recent weeks because of uh, the demotion. But you in on O'Neal Cruz in, let's say, the mid-200s?
1: Leave it. I just don't I don't like the – like, he's not someone I'm extremely confident in producing once he's up. And then with the fact that we might not see him for a month, uh, I'm, I'm staying away.
0: Okay. Uh, we'll stay at the shortstop position. How about Jeremy Pena with a current ADP of 340?
1: I like it. I think, uh, you know, team context dependent, you you probably need to have a a spot for him and you might've already filled those spots by the time you get to pick 340. Uh, But I I think there's power, there's speed, there's opportunity. So I
0: think it's fine. Um, And then the last of the current ADP section, a little bounce back this spring. How about Keston Hira at a ADP of 350?
1: I'm going to leave it and. he's looked better and like he, he does look good at the plate right now. But I look at, uh, the depth chart, I, I, you know, factoring in the fact that he basically needs to be a designated hitter. I just don't see him playing enough.
0: Okay. Um, now just general, like, love it, like it, or leave it 2022, uh, Royals catcher, MJ Melendez.
1: I love it. I, I think, uh, it took me a while to come around, like all the way around, on Melendez's hit tool. Uh, I mean, you can't really debate the power, but uh, I I think he's the real deal. I think he'll be up within like a month, six weeks, something like that, and they'll, they'll find a spot for him to play every day.
0: Does he? And you know, does he play anywhere else? I know he. You know, there's catcher and there's DH, but has have they tried him anywhere besides that?
1: Yeah, he's been playing some third base, so uh, he could play. Uh, left field too if, if they wanted to do that but um, I think it's going to be like a combination of third base catcher and DH. once he's so. up?
0: Okay Um, what about we'll do uh, some left-handed pitchers here what about Reed Detmers for 2022? Uh,
1: I love it he's uh, I believe he's my most rostered player this year.
0: Very good to hear um, I kept him in the 27th round of my home league and Um, got a lot of flack for it. So hopefully it'll, it'll work out um, this year. Uh, 21 years old, debuted last year. So um, yeah, I'm high on him as well. What about uh, DL Hall from the Orioles?
1: Uh, Leave it. I think he's, he basically any kind of risk um, meter for pitching prospects, he checks all the boxes, even though he, his stuff is off the charts. He just, you know, command, health, durability, it's all, it's all big red flags with him.
0: Okay. Um, there are reports that Rangers, uh, right-handed uh, pitcher Cole Wynn could debut this year. So love it, like it, or leave it for Cole Wynn.
1: I love it. Uh, there was a time when you could get him and draft and holds like after pick 600, which was just great. Um, uh, I think he, I think he definitely spends the, a good chunk of the year in the the big league rotation. He's got he's got
0: really good stuff. Uh, if you were drafting in a redraft, are you taking the shot on Spencer Howard, or uh, would you rather just kind of leave that and draft Colwyn or or just wait for Colwyn to come up?
1: Uh, in in a regular redraft with like seven man benches or something like that, I would take Howard uh, and just see where it goes if he gets sent down i'm just cutting him anyways like mm-hmm. i wouldn't i wouldn't just be stashing either of these guys in a, in a regular redraft
0: okay um what about his teammate who you know everybody was drafting at the beginning of the year we know he's hurt uh josh young do you think he's going to be up at all or are you leaving it fully for this year
1: no i i don't think we see him in the majors till 2023 uh it's it's really a a huge bummer because I thought he was gonna, uh, like, he might have been able to win AL Rookie of the Year this year. Like, he, I think he was that ready. Uh, the problem is he's now missed a lot of time with injuries. Like, He might be 20, he might be 24 next year. Um, so it's just really bad timing for him. I think this could have been a breakout year for him.
0: Um, let's stick at third base. He just got demoted, but Um, love it like it or leave it for Jose Miranda this year I'm gonna
1: leave it I just I think his if Miranda was a good defender at either second base or third base I don't I think he would have a spot in the lineup but he's basically um, I don't know if he's as bad as like Willie Calhoun but it's it's that same kind of deal where it's you're basically talking about a a DH type who sort of plays some second base and just really needs to rake to, to get into the lineup. And I think they, they brought in enough talent this offseason where I just, I don't really see it happen before.
0: Okay. Uh, we'll stick on the same team, uh, a prospect who, who debuted last year, uh, love it, like it, or leave it for uh, Trevor Larnock for this year.
1: Uh Kind of in between, leave it and like it I, I I wish they'd kept him up. I think that he could have been strong side of a Dh platoon uh, but I, did, I don't I don't think you can roster him right now unless it's a draft and hold now that he's now that he got sent down so mm-hmm. um, someone to just follow like I, I could see maybe adding him in season if he gets an opportunity, but uh, not not someone you're drafting right now.
0: I'll, I'll put you on the spot for a second because I just had a question. If Buxton goes down, and we hope he doesn't, but if if an off-injured player does go down, do you think Larnock gets called up or do you think you, we actually might see like Austin Martin get a shot? That's a good question.
1: Um, I think uh, it might be something – even more boring and unsatisfactory than either of those options. Uh,
0: sure. They do have Jake, it, Jake cave. Down yeah. I life. mean, like
1: it could be Nick Gordon, it could be Jake cave. Uh, Cause the, the problem is you need, someone needs to play center field. So, right. it, you know, it, it would have to be like Max Kepler playing center field, basically, mm. if, if it, if it was going to lead to Larnack playing. Right. And Larnack's a bad defender in the outfield. So, um, uh, I, uh, yeah, I think it, it could be kind of a pretty disappointing uh, solution. I, I do like, I think Austin Martin's a good buy low in Dynasty. Uh, and maybe he just is hitting so well that he could get a shot. And Maybe Royce Lewis is the guy that's hitting so mm-hmm. well that he yeah. could get a shot. I mean, Lewis can play anywhere. So um, that'd be awesome if it did lead to Martin or Lewis getting a shot. But I, I'd i be uh, hesitant to, to suggest that that's what would happen.
0: Okay. Uh, last one from the same team is uh, Johan Duran, who is a starting pitcher by trade or has been, but they say that he's he he seems at least like he's going to open the seer, the season. Sorry, in the Twins bullpen, um, love it, like it, or leave it in twenty twenty two for Duran. Uh,
1: leave it. Uh, I I've always thought he was going to be a reliever. Just the delivery was just so. Um, it just so many moving parts. He's such a big guy. Uh, so that part's not surprising, but it actually, I think it does kind of give him an avenue to fantasy viability. Uh, but I, I doubt they would use him as a closer as a rookie. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Uh, let's talk about some guys who, uh, one guy at least who has traded into relevance. Uh, Kevin Smith came over to the A's in the Matt Chapman deal is slated to start at third. Uh, for the A's, so for, for 2022, Kevin Smith, love it, like it, or leave it? Leave it
1: in mixed leagues, like it in AL only leagues. I think he's I think he's going to hit like 220, 225. So uh, I, I don't want to roster that batting average in a mixed league, but he could also give you 20 homers and 10 steals.
0: What about on the same team? Roster Resource currently has Dalton Jeffries projected as the fourth starter for the A's. So, love it, like it, or leave it.
1: Leave it. Unfortunately, I just I can't buy him staying healthy for any stretch of time as a starter. It just there's too much of a track record of him not being able to get to those types of innings. So, I'll leave it.
0: Okay, um, and a guy we were going to talk about earlier, but he's slated to start in the outfield. For the Angels, uh, debuted last year. Brandon Marsh for 2022. Love it, like it, or leave it? Uh,
1: I'll say like it. I don't actually have him on any teams. But you really run out of outfielders in a hurry once you get past, like, pick 270, 275 in a mixed league. And... If Marsh is still out there, there's there's some five-category potential there. He, he needs to improve his launch angle. He's, he's always been kind of a high-ground ball guy,
0: but uh, he's got tools. Okay. We'll stick in the outfield. Uh, big trade chip for the Orioles who struggled uh, last year in, in double and triple-A is Yusniel Diaz. Uh, for 2022, love it, like it, or leave it? Leave it. Um, okay. Okay. This- kind of out on him and are you you leave it that sounded like a leave it maybe for good leave it
1: well i i've been just hard out on him for a couple years now i i i was uh pretty high on him at the time when baltimore got him in the manny machado trade Mm -hmm. that that feels like forever ago Uh, but uh, at one point he was the headliner in a trade that got the dodgers two months of manny machado Right. Uh, But, but he's just been really mediocre uh, since then. And like he, he got, I think he went to double A, maybe three consecutive seasons just because he, he just needed to keep
0: working at double A. I I don't know.
1: I I just don't, I don't think he's a big leader.
0: Okay. Last outfielder of the group. After the Red Sox signed Trevor Story, it uh, seems like Kike Hernandez is going to go back out to the outfield, which may mean less major league time for Jaron Duran. So for 2022, uh, love it, like it, leave it for the speedster Jaron Duran.
1: Uh, leave it. He's, he's probably been my biggest fade uh, all offseason. I just I think people uh, weren't really... You know, thinking uh, ahead in terms of how the Red Sox were likely to use him this year, mm-hmm. uh, he, despite his speed, he's a bad defender, uh, pretty much everywhere. And uh, I think he, if you look at what he did at AAA last year, for a hitter his age, that actually wasn't that good. Like AAA was such an easy place for mediocre hitters to do well at last year, and like he's 25 like he the the numbers look good on paper it just it didn't make me think it was going to translate in the majors I just I think he's he's a fringe he's a fringe active roster guy all season for me uh with the Red yeah.
0: Sox I think he actually started as a I think they drafted him as a second baseman is that correct yep. and then they tried yep. to make him an outfielder yeah yep. which was what they did with with Mookie um but obviously a, you know Mookie maybe took to it defensively a little better than than Duran has um let's stick with his teammate first baseman Tristan Casas for 2022 love it like it or leave it I uh,
1: love it with the caveat of like he's gonna be a fab guy unless you're unless you're in a draft and hold uh, probably not up until June but I think once he is up he could be really impactful uh he's He's just huge. Uh, he, he's going to be one of the more intimidating uh, sluggers in the game once he's up. And, and he's got a really, really sharp eye at the plate for a guy that says.
0: Um, we'll finish with two kind of very big name prospects. Uh, I'm sure people, uh, they're, not, they're, being, they're not being drafted as much as some of these other names, but um, they'll, people will unload the fab on them if they show up. Um, so for 2022, love it, like it, or leave it for Padres shortstop C.J. Abrams.
1: I'll leave it. I, I think he's going to be a good post-type guy in 2023. Uh, but I, like people want C.J. Abrams to happen this year so bad uh, because of the speed. Uh, A.J. Preller is extremely desperate, and I could see him kind of putting Abrams in the majors before he's ready. Like, Abrams has played, I think, fewer than 50 full-season games in his career. So, like, basically, like, he was in the same draft class as Bobby Witt. Bobby Witt's Mm -hmm. played more than half uh, Abrams' games in in full-season ball already. So, I just – as bright as his future is, I think it's unrealistic to expect him to be able to hit big-league pitching this year.
0: Okay. And then the last one – uh, will be a guy that some people think is the best pitching prospect in the minor leagues. Um, Grayson Rodriguez for 2022, love it, like it, or leave it. Uh,
1: leave it, I guess. Um, he's very, re- he's very talented. Uh, I think I, I've, I've been ranked as the best pitching prospect who has not pitched in the majors. Mm-hmm. I have him behind the, uh, Boz and Ashby and uh, he, he's right there with Detmers for me, but I'm just, I'm not going to really invest in almost any pitching prospect who hasn't pitched in the majors. Uh, like Alec Manoa last year was kind of an exception to that rule, but um, I just, a lot, can, a lot can go wrong between now and when Rodriguez gets the call. Okay.
0: Um. Before before we end, I know we covered a lot of guys. We talked about a lot of names. Um, is there anybody that, in regards to just twenty twenty two leagues, you think we missed, or you know, should should highlight a little bit? Um, let's see.
1: Uh, I think we I think we did a pretty good job. Um, like
0: we just got a two run homer from from Vinnie Pasquantino while we were <laughs> on the air. Does does that matter to you at all? Uh,
1: I, I like him long term. I don't, I don't think he's uh, you know, maybe maybe he could be on the same sort of timetable as Tristan Casas. I like Pasquantino quite a bit more, and I like Nick Prado. Um, mm-hmm. so like if if you made me choose between those two Royals first baseman slash DHs, I would take Pasquantino. Uh, I I am, I am a pretty big fan of Aaron Ashby, who is still. Prospect eligible, um, but he's. I mean, he's getting drafted inside the top three hundred.
0: Yeah. Uh, just because we mentioned Pasquantino, do you think uh, he's up before MJ Melendez, or do you think Melendez would be up first?
1: I think I think Melendez will be up first. Uh, I think Melendez is bad as is, is just basically big league ready. So it's just a, it's a matter of him. Uh, improving as a defender at third base, mm-hmm. so that he can kind of play every day once he's up. Um, Pass uh I want to say he barely played at Double A last year. Um, he played fifty-five games, I guess, at Double A. Um, yeah, but Melent. I mean, Melendez has Melendez is ahead of Pascontino in terms of just how much he's accomplished in the minors. So right. I think it, I think it'll be him, but I mean, Pascantino has a chance to be a pretty classic uh, four category DH slash first baseman. I just, we might be waiting a, a few months. Um,
0: I appreciate it. That was so much information. Um, definitely a lot of helpful tidbits for people uh, before we get you out of here. Do you want to tell people one more time, you know, where they can find you and read your work?
1: Yeah. Uh yeah, this was a lot of fun, Eric. Thanks, Thanks again for having me. Uh, at RealJRAnderson on Twitter and uh, rotowire.com slash pod if you want a 10-day trial. Uh, I tweet out all my work from uh, my Twitter account. And um, the podcast is every Wednesday. Uh, you can just find that either just searching Rotoire Baseball uh, Podcast or uh, Prospect Podcast. Um, send both of, both of those feeds, but really appreciate you having me, man. This was fun,
0: of course. Um, loved it, really appreciate it. And we'll be back with Sammy uh next week. We've got a, a special uh pitcher episode of uh, the catcher's corner. Uh, Paul Spore is going to come on and we're going to compare his top 100 to mine and chat about some arms. So, uh, come back and check us out next week.